The evening arrived. The boys took their places. The master, in his cook's uniform, stationed himself at the copper. His assistant stood behind him, and the gruel was served out. The gruel disappeared. The boys whispered to each other and winked at Oliver, while his next neighbours nudged him. Child as he was, he was desperate with hunger and reckless with misery. He rose from the table, and, advancing to the master, basin and spoon in hand, said, somewhat alarmed at his own temerity, "'Please, sir, I want some more.' The master gazed in stupefied astonishment on the small rebel for some seconds, and then clung for support to the copper. The assistants were paralysed with wonder, the boys with fear. "'What?' said the master at length in a faint voice. "'Please, sir,' replied Oliver, "'I want some more.' The master aimed a blow at Oliver's head with the ladle, pinioned him in his arm, and shrieked aloud for the beadle. Oliver was ordered into instant confinement, and a notice was next morning pasted on the outside of the gate, offering a reward of five pounds to anybody who would take him off the hands of the local authorities. One day, Mr. Bumble had been out searching for anyone who might be interested in such a boy, and was returning to the workhouse when he met Mr. Sowerbury, the undertaker. After a little conversation about how much money the undertaker was making because the orphans were looked after so badly, Mr. Bumble introduced the issue of Oliver. "'That's so,' said the undertaker. "'That's just the very thing I wanted to speak to you about.' I think I'll take the boy myself. And so little Oliver was told he was to be a general assistant to a coffin-maker's. When he arrived, Mr. Sowerbury looked at Oliver by the light of a dismal candle, and then called to his wife. Mrs. Sowerbury looked like a short, then squeezed-up woman, with a vixenish countenance. "'My dear,' said Mr. Sowerbury deferentially, "'This is the boy from the workhouse that I told you of.' "'Dear me,' said the undertaker's wife, "'he's very small.' "'Why, he is rather small,' replied Mr. Bumble. "'But he'll grow, Mrs. Salbury, he'll grow. "'And I'll food and drink, I suppose. "'There, get downstairs, little bag of bones.' "'With this, she opened a side door "'and pushed Oliver down a steep flight of stairs into the kitchen.' wherein sat the serving-girl, Charlotte. "'Here, Charlotte, give this boy some of the cold bits of meat that were set aside for the dog. I dare say the boy isn't too dainty to eat him. Are you, boy?' Oliver, who was trembling with eagerness to devour it, said no, and a plateful of old, cold, rough food that the dog had not eaten was set before him. "'Well,' said the undertaker's wife when Oliver had finished, "'if you done?' There being nothing eatable within his reach, Oliver said yes. "'Then come with me,' said Mrs. Sowerbury. "'You don't mind sleeping among the coffins, I suppose, "'but it doesn't much matter whether you do or don't, "'for you can't sleep anywhere else. "'Come, don't keep me here all night.' Down among the coffins, it was so gloomy and death-like that a cold tremble came over him every time his eyes wandered in the direction of the dismal objects. He was alone, in a strange place. He had no friends to care for, or to care for him, and he wished, as he crept into his narrow bed, that he could be lain in a calm and lasting sleep in the churchyard ground, 
with the tall grass waving gently above his head and the sound of the old deep bell to soothe him in his sleep. Oliver was awakened in the morning by a loud kicking at the outside of the shop door. Open the door, will you? cried the voice, which belonged to the legs which had kicked at the door. I will directly, sir, replied Oliver, undoing the chain and turning the key. I suppose you're the new boy, ain't you? I'm Mr. Noah Claypole, and you're under me. With this, Mr. Claypole administered a kick to Oliver and entered the shop with a dignified air. He was Mr. Sowberry's assistant.